0: Is make a noise. It may not always be joyful, but we can make a noise. And well, we got something to make a noise about. What's sad is we look around our world today and it seems like the only people making noise are people that are on the other side of right. And yet we've got something to make some noise about, a joyful noise about. And boy, it was good singing this morning. Good to hear you singing loud. Good to see you in God's house uh, on this Palm Sunday, as Brother Nate mentioned. Excited about this week as we go into preparations for Easter Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays throughout all of the year. Easter is our Christian Independence Day. That's when it was secured for us that we would have a home in heaven and have a Savior in Christ. And I hope you'll be here next Sunday, excited about the opportunity to go back out next Saturday. If you weren't able to make it this week, we went out yesterday and uh, passed out some wonderful gospel tracts specifically made for our Easter service. Uh, And our theme next week for the message is going to be a new day. Uh, I told our folks as we prepared to go out yesterday morning, our world needs to understand that in spite of all that's going on, Christ brings a new day to all of us, not just a new eternity, but a new day here in this life. We can have new hope and new peace in spite of all this. I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. If you can, go out with us next Saturday at 10 o'clock. Take your Bibles, and let's turn to John chapter 12 this morning. John chapter 12, and while you're turning there, I do want to once again congratulate all the young people on the wonderful recital uh, this past Friday night. Did a great job, didn't they? Uh, But we have a lot of uh, talented young people in our church, and I appreciate moms and dads encouraging that, something they can serve God with. And then I'm looking over my notes, I remember I failed to mention this last week. That uh, they had an outreach there on the campus of USM. We now have Central Collegiate Ministries Brother the Michael and Miss Evelyn Coates had that up. Do a wonderful job with that. Had a lot of uh, incoming freshmen on campus. I think almost 500, if I'm not mistaken, incoming freshmen on campus for that. And they served up, I think it was quesadillas, something along that line. And uh, the 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 uh, director over the event came up to Brother Michael and told them that they had the best booth that was there. And uh, I'm excited that Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn represented our church well on the campus of USM. Uh, If you ever want to be a part of that, be sure to hit them up. They can always use extra volunteers. John chapter 12, if you're there, let's stand together. Look down to verse number 12. John chapter 12. Verse number 12. This is one of the few days out of the year where you may be able to hone in on where we'll be preaching at. And sometimes the Lord does lead us to preach around different seasons that are here. And such is the case today. John 12, look down to verse 12. The Bible says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, speaking of the Passover, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, set thereon as it is written, fear not, daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Verse 17, the people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him for that they heard he had done this miracle. Verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail? Nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Let's stop right there and pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here today. And Lord, as we prepare to go into this Easter, this resurrection week... Lord, I pray that our hearts would be in tune, Lord, like never before, to exactly what the resurrection means. And Lord, help us be so willing, Lord, those of us who have received, Lord, the opportunity, uh, Lord, to be saved and to receive Christ. Help us, Lord, uh, to take that, Lord, that gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb and take it out this week and invite others to know how they too can have that resurrected life. Now, I pray you'd stir our hearts today. Thank you for the message. Lord, help us present it in a way pleasing to you. And I just pray your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. August the 27th, 1783. A French inventor by the name of Jacques Alexander Caesar Charles launched a revolutionary new invention that he thought was going to change the way that all mankind traveled. He took a very large balloon, it was made of silk, and he coated it with varnish filled it up with air, and launched his first test run of this filled balloon that he wanted one day to transport men uh, here and there around France. He launched the balloon, and the balloon went up into the air and began to sail across the countryside and sailed over nine miles away to the city of Gennes, France. Now, granted, the villagers in that small town of Gennes had no idea what was descending upon their area. All they saw was this very large balloon uh, with a basket on the bottom of it. It was descending into one of their fields and they thought it was a, an, some type of an invasion. Now, before you laugh, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Before you laugh this morning, I want you to think about how often we see UFOs, okay? Before you think how dumb they were, just look in the mirror, okay? Because we're always seeing UFOs. It's only in America that we usually end up seeing those. The people weren't sure exactly what was landing in their field, and so they did what any smart person would do. They ran and got pitchforks and staves, and they attacked the first hot air balloon and destroyed it right there in the field, thinking they had done something wonderful. The first time I read that story, I thought to myself, how embarrassing How embarrassing that must have been for those people to come out thinking that space invaders were coming their way and they destroyed this man's labor of love, his one and only prototype to his invention, thinking it was some type of an invasion. And I thought to myself, they had to have been embarrassed and feel foolish. But now we have the opportunity to look at that in hindsight, don't we? We know what hot air balloons are and we've seen them and they work, and maybe some of you have even flown in them. I found it interesting that hindsight is, is indeed 2020, but it's usually 2020 when it involves other people's mistakes. Amen. Hindsight is always 2020 when it involves somebody else's mistakes. We can see what they did wrong and think what we would do differently. Now when I read John chapter 12, I have the same reaction. Told Brother Nate wasn't going to preach from this. They didn't feel led. Uh, earlier in the week was, was outlining a different message. The Lord led us here just last night and giving give us this thought here. As we pick up in verse number twelve, we are reading about the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem the week before He will be crucified. We know the story well. This is where we get Palm Sunday from. If you'll look down, the Bible says in verse thirteen, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him and cried, "Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name." of the Lord. This was a very exciting time around Jerusalem. They're building up toward the Passover. Josephus would say that there'd be over a million people. The population would grow exponentially as everyone comes into town. And not only that, but just prior, if you read your Bible, this was right after the account of Lazarus and people had heard about what had happened with Lazarus and they're coming because they hear of Christ. You can read that back in John chapter 12 as well. But here's what's amazing, where the native mentioned that the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're praising uh, Christ and his entry into Jerusalem, and yet just a few days from now, these very same people will have turned on Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. As we read John chapter 12, really pick it up in verse number 12, in spite of all of this celebration that's going on, most of the people that are here really don't have a clue exactly what he's there for. Read John chapter 12. Even the disciples themselves are not exactly clear on what's going on here. Now, there's three main groups of people we're going to look at today. We have the disciples. We have those who believe he's the Messiah. But the problem is, it's the wrong kind of Messiah. They are looking for a political Messiah. Someone who will come in and dethrone the Romans and establish the kingdom here. That's what they're looking for. Not the spiritual Messiah, but more of a political Messiah. And they're coming before him. And then we have the Pharisees, you look down, the Bible talks about them, we'll look at them here in just a few minutes. And yet between the disciples, those who believed somewhat, and the Pharisees, we're going to see this morning, they all got it wrong. They all got it wrong. They had made up their mind why he had come, and to be honest with you, the reason he had come was not what they had figured in their head of why he was really there. The disciples, we know the story, they would forsake him. The people would turn on him. And the Pharisees would plot to destroy him. Now it's easy for us to read this in hindsight like the hot air balloon and thinking, what were they thinking? Here comes Jesus, the very sinless son of God, He's coming into Jerusalem just as Zechariah 9 said he would. The prophecy was already there. And here comes Christ riding in, and the people are still not clear on what he's there to do. And we think to ourselves, how could they be so blind? Jesus is passing their way, and they have no clue what he's coming to bring them. He's not bringing about a political revolution. He's not coming there as the Pharisees thought. He's not coming in there to overthrow them. Oh, no, he came, as Zechariah 9 says, bringing salvation. And yet they missed it. Even the disciples would not have this all figured out until later. Now, before we cast a shadow of blame on them, I want you to think about how many times Christ passes your way and how many times he passes my way. And how many times Christ comes riding into the the trenches of our heart bringing salvation either from sin or to deliver us from something in our life and we have no clue why he is there and we ignore him and we forsake him and we turn from them. Think about how how many times I read my Bible as I read the word of God. Oh, it is quick, it's living, and it's powerful, isn't it? And all of a sudden, Christ comes riding into my heart and brings conviction, and I don't want to hear it. I have in my mind what I want to do and how I want to live and how I want to think, and Christ comes riding in to change all of that. Understand that. When Christ comes to us, there's no doubt he's coming to bring about change in our life, but we know how we want things, correct? And so we don't have time because that's not what we're looking for. You see, the reason they missed it Is because Christ wasn't coming the way they were looking for him. They were looking for something totally different. And the reason we miss Christ today, whether the lost for salvation or for the saved this morning, to grow to become more like Christ, the reason we miss out on it, service after service after service, is because he's not bringing what we're looking for. Why do you see so many weird churches popping up all over the country it's because people are wanting to find what they're looking for rather than what Christ came to bring to them, which, by the way, is better than anything you could look for. And so I say, you know what, I'm going to start a church over here that preaches what I like to hear, but oh, my soul, make sure what you like to hear can get you to heaven or else you'll be doomed and you'll be damned just as the Pharisees would be. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a very, very simple thought. I believe if these people had to do over, they would have reconsidered their perception of Christ, don't you? If the disciples had it to do over, if the Pharisees had it to do over, and the people had it to do over, they would reconsider Christ as he came into Jerusalem on this day. Now, they don't have the opportunity to do it over, but you and I do. As Christ comes to us and Christ passes our way, you have the opportunity and I have the opportunity this morning to reconsider what Christ came to bring to us, both lost and saved this morning. And this is a thought we're going to preach on for a few minutes. Reconsidering Christ. Reconsidering Christ. Can I tell you <clears throat> how you react to Christ will determine your eternity? How you react to Christ when he comes your way will determine the direction of your home How you react to Christ will determine the opportunities that you have in your life to serve and to fulfill the will of God, all in how you react to him. Do you know why I'm preaching here today? Not just because you tolerate me. I'm preaching here today because there was a time in June of 1995, I was a born again child of God, the Holy Spirit of God knocked on my heart's door, and I had to decide how I was going to react And I have this opportunity today All because I reconsidered Christ I tried to say no, no, no I don't want none of that My dad was a pastor I don't want any of that I wanted to be an evangelist Just travel around, start fires and run That's what evangelists do They don't have to stay and clean up any of the mess They come in, stir up the hornet's nest and leave and say You're welcome pastor, you're welcome nothing What a fun job that would be And Christ came my way, and I didn't want to hear him. Oh, no, 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 that ain't what I'm looking for, but thanks be to God, there was enough God put in my heart that I reconsidered, and I have this opportunity because I reconsidered Christ. Can I encourage you this morning to reconsider Christ, and let's learn from the mistakes of these that are here. And I'll share a short message. I think it's going to be short. It's a short outline. Just got it last night, but you ever know, the Lord can multiply it. I'm so thankful for that too, aren't you? Amen. Look down to verse 12. The Bible says, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches, we know this story, we read it. For the sake of time, I want you to look down. Jesus says in verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. Now watch verse 16, very interesting, never preached on this verse before. These things understood not his disciples at first. But When Jesus was glorified, that means after he's resurrected, they remembered They that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Now, here's what's amazing the disciples are present for this, they are in the presence of Christ when he comes right again, but they have no idea exactly what's going on. And after the resurrection, when Christ is glorified, one of them is sitting there. Now, I'm not adding to scripture, but one of them it dawns on them wait a minute. Then the Bible say something about that in Zechariah? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Let me read it to you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly, watch close, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. One of them, all of a sudden, the light bulb began to flicker. Wait a minute. This is what he wrote. We got to be a part of that. Here they were, right in the middle of it, not realizing what Christ was doing right there in their midst. We're going to call this, number one this morning, the delayed reaction to Christ. The delayed reaction to Christ. Now, here's what's sad. They put it all together, albeit a little bit late. Today, the first reason you should reconsider Christ this morning is because you don't want to have a delayed reaction to Christ. Now, thanks be to God, there's not a whole lot of bearing here in their life that they didn't miss out on a whole lot because they figured it out too late. But this morning, if you have a delayed reaction to Christ, you could miss out on a whole lot that Christ came to bring you. Now, what's interesting is when you look down, the Bible says, these things understood not his disciples at first. That ought to give you some hope this morning. It gave me hope. How often am I, am I the disciple that's late to the understanding party? Oh, I get that. Now I understand what he's doing, but here's the problem. Oftentimes Christ comes to us and Christ wants to work or is trying to work right in the midst of us. And yet because it's not exactly what we understand or not exactly what we're looking for, we're missing out on what Christ is trying to do. Now folks, one of the saddest things you'll ever have is Christian regret after you get saved. That when Christ comes your way And Christ is working in the midst of your life Right there desiring to do something In and through your life And you don't realize what he's trying to do Several years ago Went with my dad visiting I mean several years ago I was a younger man with a head full of hair We sat in the living room Very nice family, good folks And uh, the lady was nice Kids were nice But the dad was just a little bit grumpy just a little bit ornery, I think is the word we would use. Just kind of had a bad attitude. The whole time he sat there with his smirk on his face, and he's just throwing stuff out, and he made this statement. I look forward to preachers coming down my driveway. Love chewing them up and spitting them out. I'm like, well, you're a real man, you know. He had an attitude. Never knew why the man had the attitude. Years later, I would go on to pastor my dad's church And I inherited that member. still grumpy, still bad attitude. He needled me every chance he got to needle me. One day he comes to my study that was at my house and he's needling me about something. By the way, can I just throw this out there? You need to learn the art of a compliment sandwich. Compliment, insult, compliment. Sandwich it in the middle, okay? Some people only have one setting. It's complain, complain, complain. Give a compliment or some encouragement every once in a while. He didn't believe in that. He just believed in an insult salad. That's all he ever brought to my house. Forget the compliment sandwich. He's standing in my study one day. And finally, one day, I says, What is your problem, man? Not the most spiritual thing in the world, but I just didn't know what else to say to this guy. What's your problem, man? What are you always griping about and grumpy about? You're arrogant, you're cocky and all this. We're going back and forth and his veins begin popping out on his head. His pupils are getting small. I'm thinking he's fixing to deck me right in my house. He says, I'll tell you what my problem is. And he stuck his finger in my face. He says, I'm supposed to be doing what you're doing. I says, what do you mean? He says, my wife doesn't even know this. But 30 something years ago, the Lord called me to preach. And I said, no. The rest of his life, he's lived in regret by not letting God work in his life. You see, here's what happened. Christ passed his way one day, but that wasn't what he was looking for. And Christ passed him by, and he missed the opportunity that Christ came to bring with him. Do you know what his regret was? It was a delayed reaction to Christ. By the way, that's what Christian regret really is. It's a delayed reaction to the will of God. Now, folks, thanks be to God, there's grace, there's mercy, and he is long-suffering. Thank God for that. I need it every day of my life. But when Christ comes your way, listen, he's not coming to ruin your life. He's coming to give you a life, and yet so often we get to the end of our life, and we have regret after regret after regret, and all the regret is a picture of is delaying the will of God in our life. We knew what Christ wanted to do. By the way, some of the saddest verses in all of Scripture in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, listen closely. And he cried, speaking of the rich man, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Do you know what you're hearing here? A delayed reaction to Christ. An eternally delayed reaction to Christ. There was a moment in the rich man's life where Christ passed through his heart, where Christ came his way and offered eternal life to him. And he says, hey, that's not what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking for riches and glory and prestige. And he got all of that and delayed Christ in his heart. And in the depths of hell, he cries out, I'm tormented. That regret is a delay of Christ and delaying the work of Christ in his life, and he'll regret that for all eternity. I want you to think this morning, there's a lot of things you can regret. Look, you can regret missing out on a party you can regret this morning missing out on, on, on goods. You can regret missing out on a, a job promotion, but you will always, listen, you will always and eternally regret the day that Christ comes your way and you say, no, thank you. That's not what I'm looking for. You'll regret that for all eternity. I'm thankful the regrets I have in my life. Uh, when the trump of God sounds and I go to heaven, I'm leaving them here, aren't you? I'm going to leave them behind, okay? Okay. there's one you can't leave behind that's when Christ comes your way and you say nope that's not what I'm looking for what does the poem go or how does the line of the poem go for all of the sad words of tongue or pen the saddest of these it might have been it might have been now look down if you would again to verse number 16 these things understood not his disciples at first but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered, they, at these things were written of him, that they had done these things unto him. They're like, wait a minute, now I know what he was doing. I wonder how many of our adults this morning would have enough courage to encourage young people, our young people from time to time. He say, I want you to know I'm a little bit older than, than you are. And there's some things in my life right now that I regret that Christ came my way. And yes, I was saved, but Christ wanted to use me. Ecclesiastes 12, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. I wonder how many of our our, our adults today love our young people enough to tell them, listen, I have regrets right now in my life, and the reason I'm trying to encourage you and direct you and steer you is because right now Jesus is passing your way. Right now he brings you opportunity. Right now he wants to use you, and yet you're going to delay reacting to Christ one day when you're really old at 42. 45 years old then you're going to turn to christ and you're going to miss out on the best years of your life because you had a delayed reaction to christ i know our young people probably think i don't want any of them to get married y'all all shake your head and say yeah that's exactly what we think he doesn't want to can i go ahead and dispel the myth before god and everybody else here and whoever's watching on live stream even those government eavesdroppers okay i want you guys to get married all right, not you guys, but I want you guys to marry a girl. Okay, got to clarify, it's 2022, got to clarify that stuff. I want you guys to marry a beautiful young lady. I want you girls to marry the best thing you can find, okay? I'm not going to say it's going to be good looking, but marry the best thing you can find that's out there. We got some decent ones here in our church scattered about. I do. You say, well, why are you always harping on us? Hey, now's not the time. Hey, hey, why are we all at school? Hey, you guys separated a little bit. Can I tell you why? Because now is the time, I hear these young people, I love asking them this, we're going out. I'm like you're 12, where are you going? Hope you got pegs on your bicycle. Maybe she can hop on the back or he can hop on the back, you know, 2020 the girl can drive now. No listen, I'm not against it at all. I just know that right now is the time to remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. There's going to come a time. There's going to come a place in your life where God says, hey, buddy, there she is. Or hey, girl, there he is. Hey, there's a time for that. But right now, remember now thy creator. Because too many people have sat in my office and say, I knew what God wanted me to do. I knew God knocked on my heart's door about preaching or being a missionary. I knew what God had provided for me as an opportunity, but I was too busy chasing girls that you're never gonna catch when you're 12. And you missed it. You missed it. Do you know why I beg young people to do the will of God? It's because I talked to too many old people who didn't. And I say... We're already loading up the clip, another, another line of regret. Looking forward to it, 40, 50 years old, you're going to come in, man, I wish i had served God. Look, when you're 40, 50 years old, you're going to have 12, 15 kids paying for insurance, cars, and all this stuff. You're not going to have time to sleep, Jack. Some of you men, some of you ladies, amen. Yeah, you pay for health insurance, life insurance. You're not, listen, you're not even gonna have time to take a nap. You're gonna be working so much to pay for your family and the other people who don't wanna pay for their family. The best times right now, young people. The last thing you need to worry about is delaying your reaction to Christ. Because one day the light bulb's gonna come on. Verse 16, wait a minute. I know what he was trying to do. It's no different for us today. Christ brings us opportunity, mom and dad. Christ brings you opportunity. He knocks on your heart's door. Guaranteed, anytime Christ knocks on your door, he's bringing you opportunity. Anytime he knocks on your door, he's bringing you opportunity. We look through the peephole of our heart, and we're like, "Mm mm-mm, not opening that. Sad thing is, we'll open our home to Amazon way quicker than we will to Christ. And Christ brings something way better than Amazon, I assure you of that. He's bringing you opportunity. And we're like, no, not right now. I'm too busy putting everything in order the way that I want it right now. Oh, my soul, you'll look up one day like the disciples. Watch this. When When Jesus was glorified, verse 16, then remember they these things that were written of him. You see, this is after the fact. The sad truth is this morning, we remember this after the fact, man. I remember that Sunday. It was 11:53. Brother Jeremiah was still on point one. Not many preachers give you time updates. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm mean, gonna be very skillful, but I am kind enough to give you time updates. Well, that day Christ come riding my way. I remember it. I remember it. And I said, you know, I've got too much to do today. I got places to go. I, you know, got lunch with them and all this. And you're gonna delay your reaction to Christ. And one day you're gonna wake up, in verse 16, after all of this has passed and realize what God was trying to do. heard the story of a lady one time, elderly lady, lived to be 95, never married, never went out on a date. That's what all teenage girls think is gonna happen, right? Yeah, that's what you think is gonna happen. That's what Brother Jeremiah wants for us. Yeah, whatever. They opened up her will, began to get her funeral plans out. And in there, in in letters, in all caps, underlined twice, it said, no male pallbearers. No male pallbearers. She had written underneath there, they didn't take me out when I was living, and they're not going to take me out while I'm gone. (laughs) Beside it, they wrote the words, too late to date. (laughs) Too late to date. The sad thing is this morning... You can afford to miss out on a few things, but Christ working in your life is not something you can afford to miss out on, number one, to be saved, number two, to have your life forever and eternally changed by the wonderful, marvelous will of God. I wonder if Jesus is passing your way this morning, riding in your town. You say, well, that's not what I'm looking for. I didn't come here. Look, the only reason I'm here is because my spouse guilted me, right? Right? The only reason I'm here is because my neighbor goes to church here and they're gonna talk about me if I don't show up, right? I didn't come here to get anything. I didn't come here to receive anything. Oh, it may not be what you're looking for, but it may be what you need. Here they are looking at Christ. They said, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And we see a delayed reaction to Christ. But then look down quickly, we gotta hurry. We do have to hurry. Notice the second group. We look down and we see the Pharisees. Verse 19, what was their reaction to Christ? The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevailed nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. Now, could we be honest and say, verse 19? Seems like they're not too thrilled about it either. Christ comes their way, the disciples don't realize what's going on. But then we have the Pharisees, the lost people that are here, and they're saying, The world has gone after him. Now, this is important. The Pharisees saw Christ as a threat to their way of life. They had things set up the way they wanted. They had their life, they had their hierarchies, they had power, they had prestige. They had things set up exactly the way they wanted to. And here comes this Jesus and all of a sudden the people have gone after him and now they're opposing Christ. They're not just neglecting the opportunity, they're in opposition to Christ. This is the second reaction that you should reconsider this morning. Number two, notice the defiant reaction a defiant reaction. Now, what were they defiant about? You got to see this, okay? You got to see this. I told somebody the other day, believe it or not, the preacher has to chew this up kind of like a mama bird before I can spit it out. And sometimes this is hard for me to swallow as well. The Bible says, behold, the world is gone after him. What are they saying? What are they saying? Wait a minute. They're going his way and not our way. And they're bothered by that wait a minute, this guy comes up in here and he's preaching a different way than we want and that we already have and now there's tension because he's preaching one way and we want another way. You see, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 13, only by pride cometh contention. Find contention, you'll find pride every time. So how do you know that? Well, the Bible said, I didn't come up with that on my own. I'm not smart enough. Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh contention. Now, why is there contention amongst the Pharisees in Christ? It's very simple. He's showing the way, but they want their way. What is it called when you want your way? It's called P-R-I-D-E, only by pride cometh contention. That's why we're so contentious during the invitation time. That's why our palms sweat. Why are palms sweat? I don't know. Somebody researched that. Why do our palms sweat when we get nervous? That's why we sit here and we're all fidgety and we're ready to go and we had our hands on the back of that seat thinking, I wish we could just hurry up and get out of here. Why is there contention? It's because of pride. You want your way and God wants his. Now here's what happens oftentimes. We misunderstand this. We think, you know what? It's a question of my way versus God's way. But the truth of the matter is, it's not your way versus his. It's your way versus the way big difference. All right? You can't look at God's way, and God's will for your life is just one of the options on the table. Oh, no. Jesus said, John 14, I am the way. And the choice for all of us lost or saved today is very simple. You choose between your way or the way. By the way, that's not just salvation. When Christ comes to you, he's not bringing a suggestion. Hey, what do you think about this? Okay, no. Bad idea. Christ never said bad idea. Yeah, you know what? I thought about that after you thought, you know, after you said you didn't want to do this, my will for your life, I thought about it. I thought, you know what? You're right. Christ never does that. When he comes to you, he's not bringing a way. He's bringing you the way. Therefore, you have to decide and I have to decide today. Do I want my way or do I want the way? You know, this morning, you have your way to build a home and then there's the way to build a home. You have your way to raise children, and then there's the way to raise children. You have your way to be saved. I talk to people all the time. If you died right now, are you sure you're going to heaven? Absolutely. How do you know? Well, there was this time. I had this kid one time. I may have told you this before, but it's a great story. I need to tell you again. I asked this kid if he was saved. He says, yes. How would you get saved? So I was walking down a dark alley one day. This dragon came down. No joke. My wife was there. This dragon was, was, was smoke everywhere, and this dragon, and this dragon had, I don't know if he's gonna carry me away, and I called to God and says, God, you've got to save me, and that's where I got saved. My next question was, what were you smoking right before you walked down the alley? So what was wrong with that kid. Now he later did get saved. But folks, can I tell you that was his way? But there's only one the way. That's why it's called the. This morning, you need to reconsider a delayed reaction, but number two, you need to reconsider a defiant reaction. That's why Jesus said in John eight thirty seven, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. He says, you want your way. I'm offering you the way, and there's no room for that. The other day, I was leaving the hospital, and I was up on the fourth, fifth floor. I pressed the elevator button. I'm getting ready to ride the elevator down. The elevator doors open, ding, And it was packed with people. There was wheelchairs, nurses, uh, family members, folks with lunch, all this. They're sitting there, folks with luggage. I mean, it's packed. I mean, the door's like closing on this guy's nose. It's so packed in there. And when the door opened and they saw me standing there, very nice lady, but I I can read looks very well because I have a wife who who gives me looks a lot, okay, so I know what looks mean. And I'm standing there waiting to walk in the elevator and this lady's looking at me like this. Do you know what she was saying? Don't try it. I'm like, I could suck it in and we could just kind of squeeze in and we could ride out and she just looked at me. I mean, she didn't move. She didn't smile. She didn't nod. She just looked at me like, don't try it. You know what she was telling me? There's no room for you in here. I thought there was, but she didn't think there was and you know what? I just took her advice, her look and I waited for the next one to come by. That's how we do God. The doors of our hearts open up and there's Christ standing there. And we look at our life, and our life is full of all of what we want our way. God, God, there's no room for you in here. That's why during the invitation time, we don't look happy and excited. We look mad. Why? Because we're trying to tell Christ, there's no room for you here. It's defiant reaction to Christ. That's what they did. Look what it says. All, the world is gone after him. They're all going his way. Reminds me of 1 Samuel 8. The people wanted a king. Samuel's like, no, no, let God be your king. Let God rule. He says, no, no, we will have a king. We, will have, we want to be like all of everybody else. Never a good reason to do anything, by the way. We want to be like everybody else. What did God tell Samuel? For Samuel 8, they have not rejected thee. They have rejected me. They have rejected me. Why? There was no room in their way for the way. Several years ago, I was in South Louisiana. and walked through a cemetery. Saw a tombstone. I forget what the guy's name was. I wouldn't call it out anyway. And on the tombstone, it said this: "I did it my way." I did it my way. It was in quotes, and there was musical notes around it. I understood what they were referring to—the Frank Sinatra song that says this: "And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain." Some of you are wanting to sing along, aren't you? I can hear it. Yeah. Shame on you, my friend. I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. I did it my way. I thought as I looked at that tombstone of that gentleman, I hope not. I hope not. Because if he did it his way, he's going to spend eternity in a devil's hell, and he's already there. Because it's not my way versus his way. It's my way versus the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He says, one and only. There are no other options. Quit pretending like our will really matters. It doesn't. It's his way or no way. And yet how many of us this morning, that will be the tombstone above our marriage? I did it my way. That's what killed your marriage. I did it my way. Cost me my children, cost me my testimony, cost me everything. But hey, I can say I did it my way. What a shame this morning. That's the tombstone over so many teenagers' life. The wreck, the ruin, the heartache, and the regret. It's there because you did it your way, not God's way. He says, I'm come that you might have life through Christ, it doesn't end at the tombstone. Through Christ, it ends in the abundant life. And yet we reach these dead ends in our homes, with our children. our t- America, the tombstone on America, should read loud and clear one day, we did it our way. We did it our way rather than the way. You look all throughout Scripture. Christ came to bring opportunity and Christ came to bring Change. And yet we don't want to be changed and we don't want God's opportunity. And just like the Pharisees, we push away. We're defiant. Why? Because we want our way. I remember my daughter, she's she's at bus chapel this morning so I can tell a story about her uh, without her being embarrassed because she's not going to go back and listen to this. When she would have a dirty diaper, all right? So before you laugh at her, all of us did, okay? (laughs) When she would have a dirty diaper and she would see us coming, she would always run. Like, number one, your legs are like 14 inches tall. We're going to chase you down. Okay? We're going to catch you. But you know why I was chasing after her? I wasn't chasing her to chastise her. I was chasing her to change her. You got this dirty diaper, kid. You know, you know. Come on, we're just being real. That smell. Is because you won't let me change you. I'm chasing you not to chastise. Remember when Jesus came on shore where the demoniac was, and they come out running, he says, are you here to torment us before their time? No, he wasn't there to chastise him. He was there to change him. He was trying to bring change to his life. And when Christ comes into our heart and Christ passes our way, he's not there to chastise us. He's there to change us. He said, well, my life stinks. Let Christ change you, good grief. You keep running from God. Yeah, he's trying to change your diaper. That's why your life stinks. Man, my home stinks. My kids stink. Well, their kids are going to stink, okay? That's just part of their DNA. You get tired of it stinking long enough, you allow yourself to get caught and say, you know what? I'm not going to be defiant to Christ. I want to receive that change that he wants to bring in my life. I beg you this morning, we've got to hurry, reconsider Christ. Why? Because the defiant reaction is not going to turn out well. Well, what is the reaction? I'll give you this and we're done. In Zechariah 9, we read this in prophecy about this event. In John chapter 12, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Listen closely, okay? He is just and having salvation. When Christ rode into Jerusalem, he didn't ride in empty-handed. Aren't you glad? He had something that they could not see, but he was bringing something, and that will give us the desired reaction, number three this morning. What was the desired reaction when Christ comes our way? Well, he was bringing something to them called salvation. That's what he wanted to bring to them, salvation. Salvation. I don't know if there were saddlebags on that little donkey, and even if it was, you couldn't see it. But Christ's come bearing the greatest gift. The truth of the matter is, the people thought he came in there to bring about a revolution. He brought something way better than a revolution. The Pharisees thought that he came in to change their life. Can I tell you what Christ came to bring them was greater than just changing their life. He wanted to change their eternity through salvation. But here's the problem. No matter what Christ brings your way, God's desired reaction, here it goes, ready? This is really, really deep, is that you receive it, whatever he brings. You say, well, I've been saved 35, 45, 55 years. If Christ rides past your way today, whatever he brings, receive it, receive it. That's God's desired reaction. You remember old Bartimaeus not long before this? Old Bartimaeus is sitting there by the wall of the city. He's blind. He's unable. He's hindered. That's the way we all are when we're spiritually blind. We're unable and we're hindered. And old Bartimaeus is sitting there and he hears what? He hears Jesus about to pass his way. And he thought to himself, you know, hypothetically, I'll catch him on the next go-round. Delayed reaction. Oh, no, no. When he, they heard him coming, Bartimaeus asked his friends, who's that coming? And he says, that's Jesus. Now, wait a minute. That's the guy who can change my life because Jesus always brings change. He cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And his friends are like, shh. Peer pressure existed even in the Bible. And he cried out so much the more. Why? Because Jesus had something he needed He was passing his way, and he wasn't going to miss it. I want what he's got. He can bring change to my life. Bartimaeus' life wasn't very much. He wasn't able to do very much. When Christ came his way, he says, I want what he's got. If he's bringing something that I could have, I want what he's offering, and I don't care who says what, I'm not going to miss it. And old Bartimaeus walked himself home because he could see where he was going. He received it. And yet, what did Jesus tell the Pharisees in John 5? I am come in my Father's name, listen close, and ye receive me not. He said, whatever Christ comes your way with this morning, receive it. He said, well, wait a minute. I want to receive it, but the elevator's full. Somebody needs to get out. Something needs to get off. Whatever it takes this morning, I'd make room for Christ. Why? You better reconsider a delayed reaction Don't wait another Sunday Don't wait another year Don't wait another decade You keep putting Christ off One day the light bulb flickers <gasps> The message wasn't that great But I remember that sermon The Holy Spirit dealt with my heart And Christ passed my way And I said not now I'm not ready Not now And you delayed it And one day the light come, bulb comes on And you realize what you missed Right there in my midst God wanted to work And I didn't see it You know The disciples were literally living during the fulfillment of prophecy. Literally. Zechariah 9-9. They were living in the fulfillment of prophecy. Does that ring a bell? Here we are in 2022. Our world's drastically changing. Everything seems to be funneling down toward one event. It is. It is. Do you know where we're living? In the middle of fulfillment of prophecy. Here's the sad thing is, most of us are so busy, we don't even realize it. One day, you're going to come up to me in heaven, if you're there. You're going to come up to me in heaven. You're going to go, you know, 2022, we were living in the middle of prophecy. Yeah, I tried to tell you. I don't think I'm going to want to choke you then, but maybe just give you a good spiritual hug. I tried to tell you. We were living in fulfillment of prophecy. It was happening right in front of us. You're like, "Oh, I didn't see it." Of course, you didn't see it. You're too busy doing things your way, and you missed it. Trump of God's going to say, "What? There's no warning." You were living in it, and you missed it because you're too busy doing things your way. Could I beg you this morning, reconsider Christ? Reconsider Christ. Don't delay. Your reaction to Christ. If you know what it is, don't delay. He's about to pass through possibly for the last time. Don't delay your reaction to Christ. Number two, don't be defiant in your reaction to Christ. He said, well, I just don't like the way it makes me feel. Give in. Conviction goes away when you give in. Only by pride comes contention. Quit wanting your way, and all of a sudden, everything seems to work out. Give in. Don't be defiant. The Pharisee says, he's come to change my life. You better believe he did. But they wanted their life instead of the life. What's the desired reaction? Just receive it. Whatever Christ is bringing your way. He was bringing salvation. If you're lost, I would not dare leave here lost. I wouldn't dare leave here lost. I mean, he's given us some hints. The clock's ticking. He's coming back real soon. I wouldn't dare leave here lost. Because there'll come a point, the Bible says, he will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. And you begin to weep. That's a delayed reaction to Christ, but it's too late. I wouldn't leave here lost. A safe person, I would not leave here with God's will undone in my life. Let him have his way Let's stand together Heads are bowed eyes are closed Heads are bowed eyes are closed Could I ask you something this morning Reconsider Christ Reconsider Christ He said, well I don't understand everything You don't have to understand it all But you do need to believe it all Reconsider Christ Don't delay your reaction to Christ I would not walk out of here lost today As a safe person I would not walk out of here With the thought that one day that light bulb flickers and you realize, oh my soul, I've missed out on so much.